Welcome to the Wander Learn Podcast. I'm your host, Franz Tappan. In this episode, I interview Dr. Rosie Cohn. She is an author of 13 different books. She is also an expert about transforming yourself, making yourself into a better person. And we'll get all into that. But first, I want to read two brand new reviews that appeared on Apple Podcasts. One of them is relatively short and one a little bit longer. So I'll read the short one first. Sissy Ordo writes... This takes you beyond travel. Francis interviews many travel experts, but also goes beyond typical travel tips and tricks. He talks about Bitcoin, pandemic, spirituality, and a broad assortment of other topics. I love him. Well, I love you too. Thank you so much for that. And the second one was a little bit longer and detailed, and it's interesting. Uh, the headline is Good Entertainment and Educational. This is from Green Frogs 345 and written in January 2021. I've been a longtime fan of his books and videos. He is actually one of the people that inspired me to through-hike the PCT and live an adventurous traveler lifestyle. I really enjoy his storytelling abilities, and he also integrates facts and interesting history about countries he's traveled in. Francis has a multicultural background, knowing French and American culture and pointing out strengths and weaknesses in how people are in other countries. Traveling in every African country for five years is impressive and shows the patience and dedication he has to accomplish his goals and write good travel books. I'm also into cryptocurrency trading and appreciate the information he shares in the show. Some guests can be a bit strange, but most are pretty good and share funny stories and experiences. Some more episodes on traveling in Central Asia would be nice. I'll definitely do those episodes about Central Asia once I go there. So now, thank you, Green Frogs, so much for that. You can also have your five-star review read online if you just leave one. I check occasionally, and I'll read them all online. So please, do me a favor, write a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you can review your podcast. And if I don't read it, send me a note to remind me to go check it out. Okay, now off to Dr. Rosie Kuhn. Welcome to the Wonder Learn podcast. This is your host, Francis Tapon. I'm here with Rosie Kuhn. How are you, Rosie? You're coming from the San Juan Islands way up in north. I am coming from the San Juan Islands. Yes, it's a beautiful day, too. You have your own personal whale that's sitting right in your house, I imagine. I do, I do. <laughs> I, I wave to him and I feed him my little fish. You, you use it to commute on the, in the morning, drop up? Well, no, I, I'll take the ferry on occasion, <laughs> but it's really nice that, you know, if I want to sort of have a much more adventurous kind of time over to the Friday Friday Harbor, I'll take the, take the whale. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, right. No. <laughs> so you are a transformational coach. In this podcast, I kind of talk about technology, travel, and transformation. I don't talk too much about transformation, so I'm glad I have you on here. And can you tell me a little bit about, you know, your your path? Because you've done a lot of different things in your life that are connected to that. And I wanted to see if you could kind of tie them all together and, and your own kind of career path from a spiritual guide to a transformational coach, therapist, et cetera. I actually wrote a book about it called The Unholy Path of a Reluctant Adventurer. I grew up in Detroit family of nine, alcoholic parents, nice area, environment, beautiful environment, but it was pretty dysfunctional. And so the best I could hope for was to get married, have kids, and kind of just be that. Married very early. I separated from my husband very early and um, started my introduction to therapy by having a therapist. And 
the work that he did with me was so wonderful. It's like, I want to do this. And, and so I started training to be a therapist. I moved out to Nova Scotia, which is absolutely beautiful. And I got a job with the Commission on Drug Dependency at that time and worked as a therapist in, in recovery. And that's where I met incredibly, amazingly wonderful people who were all in the recovery process. And I realized that by working with them as a therapist, that they had something I didn't have. They had, they had serenity. They had come to accept what they couldn't change and um, change the things they could and cultivated the wisdom to know the difference, which is, in, in essence, the serenity prayer. I met a fellow while I was in Nova Scotia from Virginia, and I met him, fell in love with the boat, fell in love with him, and ended up leaving Nova Scotia uh, to go sailing, uh, in, inevitably, potentially around the world. Uh, but I got at least across the Atlantic Ocean, arrived in Ireland, and uh, did a lot of traveling back and forth to England and France and Spain. And the boat eventually left um, to Portugal, went to Portugal, and I left the boat in Portugal and came back to the United States. The relationship was not good with me and the partner, the fellow who owned the boat. So that's when I departed from the boat. And it was at that point, it was like, okay, I, I want something. I don't want therapy because it's it leaves out spirituality. It leaves out the part of our being that we need to, from my perspective, we need to own. We need to be to participate in a relationship with a self that's unseen. So I found a program called uh, the Institute of Transpersonal Psychology, which is in Palo Alto. That's where I did my PhD in transpersonal psychology, focused on spiritual guidance at the time, and then found uh, coaching, and then created, in essence, the transformational coaching training program. I did my dissertation at the time on transformation. I did it on sailing as a transformational experience. I always love to hear the title of doctoral theses because they always sound so funny. So give us the title. Give us the title. I love this stuff. The title was um, "Sailing as a Transformational Experience." Well, that's very conventional. I mean, that's like actually I can understand that. I mean, that's actually in English, which is really rare for a PhD thesis. I know. I know. It was pretty short. Pretty short. Okay. But it it worked. I was teaching sailing at uh, in on the San Francisco Bay um, while I was working on my PhD, and that's why I cultivated even greater degrees of that orientation of something's happening out here for people on the boats that is doesn't happen on land. Like, what is that? So that was the sort of curiosity that took me into that whole. Um, uh, study, if you will. I gave a TEDx talk that was called How Travel Transforms You. And so your thesis, which is about how sailing can transform you, is so similar. And we're like on the same wavelength on that on that issue. I'm just curious if you could elaborate that and what what could you talk about your thesis and and like how does sailing transform? Why is being on water different being than on land? I mean, obviously, there's one issue like with that partner that you have your constraint on us little tiny boat and you're forced to confront each other and yourselves so that's one aspect that that is similar by the way to backpacking in the wilderness because you're usually if you're with a partner mm -hmm. you're kind of going to be underneath a tent you might during the daytime you can kind of separate and spread out uh, which you cannot do on a boat but uh, so i imagine in that sense a boat is even more intense because there's really no escape 
the people were the least transformative part. The relationship with the boat was the most transformational part. Uh, people realized they had a, quite a few experiences of the oneness with the boat and the oneness then with nature. And uh, so that was the largest um, influencer in terms of a transformative experience. I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting more like what you're talking about with people. It's really the self having an experience that is, I I forget the fellow's name, I can't say it correctly, but he wrote a book called Flow. And in that uh, experience of flow, whether you're a brain surgeon or you're flying a kite or sailing or, you know, walking in nature... Um, or making love, you're in that state of flow, and something happens. And in that experience, if we acknowledge it and recognize it and become more conscious of it, we go, wait, what is that? And how is that possible that I could have that experience? And so that's the that's where people start to question reality, in a sense, and question it in terms of uh, quite a number of people that I interviewed, you know, inevitably left their jobs, because <laughs> they said, I don't want to do that anymore where I'm not happy. I like being where I am happy, where I am fulfilled. And I suspect you find that too in terms of backpacking and and doing what you love to do as opposed to, you know, what people say you have to do. Right. Um, So in those transformative experiences where people have a moment at least of transcendence, we'll say, of from real real life, land life, uh, or wherever... um, something shifts. Right. And um and that's where people have an opportunity to make changes. <clears throat> and that's why I'm um really focused on the transformational nature of life coaching because I mean the way that I do it and the way that I see it it's transformative as opposed to you know there's a difference between transformation and change. And most people don't understand that. So explain that difference. I wrote a book called um, You Know You're Transforming When. One of the things that I talk about is transformation isn't all it's cracked up to be because you have a sense of, ah, I I want transformation. But in another piece I wrote, uh, a blog I wrote was called People Want Transformation. They just don't want to change. So we want the magic wand. We want that moment of transcendence. And we want that moment of transcendence to be sustainable. And it's not. We have to go back to land or we have to go back to the family or go back to where it's challenging us to grow ourselves towards that sustainability of a transformative reality. One of the things that's really important for people to understand is that what's required from my perspective, and you, I'd love to hear what you have to say about this, but it, it re, uh, transformation requires a paradigm shift. We, in that transcendent moment, you have had a trans uh, a paradigm shift from basic reality and fear based orientation. Um, <clears throat> perhaps the people are scarier, cultures are are horrible, or whatever that is. But you have an experience that's different than that, and that's tr- transcending consensus reality. That's a paradigm shift, and in that, then you know, and you know, looking at some of your podcasts, Francis, you can say, hey, there's a different reality out here <laughs> that's, <laughs> that you encourage people to um, explore for themselves to, so they get to know themselves. But some people might be listening to this, Rosie, and th- thinking to themselves, okay, it's easy for you to say, but how do I actually have a paradigm shift? It sounds 
like just too big to be true. I just or just like you can't like flick a switch. Come on, it can't be that easy. But it is, isn't it? When I'm when I'm talking about people sailing and they go, "Oh my god, this is a wonderful experience." Or you're in a different country and you have a connection with a with a person that you've never met, but you're and you they talk a different language, but you have a moment of connection. That's those moments. Um quite often when people will come or, you know, call me and say, "Hey, I want some coaching." I'll say, um, what is it you want? And for instance, this woman said, well, I'd kind of like to make more money. (laughs) It's like, okay. Um, And I said, I want you to think about me as your fairy godmother. And at the moment I said that, and I say that, Francis, to people who are um, executives in corporations, I use that all the time because it's the only way to get them out of the current paradigm and have a paradigm shift. So I say, I want you to imagine I'm your fairy godmother and I'm going to wave my magic wand and you're going to be empowered to create the reality that you want. Now, do you want just some more money or do you want something else? In that moment that I declare myself their fairy godmother and that I'm waving my magic wand, there is a paradigm shift and they go into a state of oh, wow, so I could have whatever I want. And they get very playful with me. And they shift into an innocence and they shift into a, an, a, an expansive sense of self, just like that. Mm. It's, it's not magic, right? But that's what happens. It's a transformative experience. And they say, here's what I want. And they're much more clear about that. I want enough money that I can spend more time with my children going to places that they'd love to go to, or whatever that is, but they become much more um, um, in, enchanted with the experience of themselves in the world and possibility. Right. And that's that's what I'm about. And that's what happens when people go surfing, and that's what pe- happens when people are, are immersed in something that they just never imagined would happen to them. Uh, and so to be talking to your fairy godmother... <laughs> That's a pretty cool thing, you know. <laughs> and in that moment, they 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 know it. But the work starts then because it's like this is what you really want and what needs to shift to allow that to happen. And that's where where that happens. And <clears throat> again, the challenge is we think of transformation is just being a transcendent experience. In a sense, it happens. Oh my God, I had this wonderful experience. <clears throat> Excuse me. In Bali, when I was traveling, I, a friend of mine owns a hotel there. I was there for a month, and um, this fellow who was a farmer took me back from the hotel back to Dempasar for to the airport. We spent two hours together. This guy hardly spoke any English, but we had the most extraordinary moment of life, uh, and I'll never forget that quality of experience that was life changing. I'm still kind of confused, but between the difference between transformation and change. Which one is more difficult than the other? What's the difference? Can you kind of elaborate on that? People want transformation and they want me to wave my magic wand and they have what they want and it's going to be easy. Person wins a lottery, right? And they've gone from regular, let's say $50,000 a year and they've made $40 million. That's a, that's a transformational moment. But they, it's not sustainable for most people. And within five years, that, that goes away because they, it's not sustainable. What happens is people need to change 
the way that they're being, they're changing um, not only what uh, change is really about what you're doing. A transformation is changing how you're being in the world. Paradigm shift requires a person, like I said, I say I'm a, I'm a fairy godmother and people, their being changes. <laughs> they become, they be come immersed and enchanted and excited and expansive, okay? Their, their being has changed. Most change, what we call change, is changing what you do, changing your actions. Um, instead of brushing your teeth in the morning, I want you to change, you know, brush your teeth, whatever. It's the changing the, the actions. Some of the research shows that people don't want to change because loss is always associated with change. People don't want to deal with loss. They don't want to deal with um, letting go and, um, and the concept of sacrifice. I have to sacrifice this for that. And it's like, well, really, if you really want what you want, is it really a sacrifice? If I want health, and that means giving up, um, giving up meat and dairy, if I really want health, is that a sacrifice? So those, those kinds of dilemmas are, are part of this. Tony Robbins talks about that you know, people don't change unless they're suffering pain. In other words, it's kind of similar in a different way of but what you're saying, which is the pain of not changing is when it becomes greater than the, cha- the pain of changing, then people actually change. In my personal life, it was the suffering. I just got so tired of suffering. <laughs> it's like, okay, there are people on the planet that are not suffering. I want to know what they're doing. Um, I want to know what's happening over there so that I can know how to do that because I'm really tired of suffering. So what did you do then, Rosie, to transform yourself from being a suffering being into one that realizes the blessings that they have, for example? Um, part of that was an, an interesting element of, of what what you share in your life as a, as a person who sees himself as an atheist. I was a, I had grown up Catholic, but it, at some point I just thought, this God is... <laughs> He's an idiot. He doesn't care about anybody. Like, what the fuck? So I just said, I'm throwing in the towel. I'm not having anything to do with that guy. And so for 20 years, um, I was, if anything, agnostic, and I really was connected with nature, but nothing beyond that. But when I got to a point where I'm going, I'm just, this is not working. I'm not finding fulfillment. I'm not finding that, that portal, if you will. And because my um, the people I was working with, the people in recovery were working through whatever they're working with from a spiritual orientation, I thought, you know, maybe I got to do that too. So that was the shift to say, okay, I don't know if that's going to work. I don't know if there's a something out there or a, a light being or whatever. I don't know, but I know that I need to surrender to a higher power, which might be, you know, my next door neighbor. I don't know. But it was that surrendering my will and my need to control, my need to try to have life show up the way I want it to, um, and my, that surrendering is what shifted everything for me. In other words, just to accept what you have in life? It was accepting that I am powerless to make things be the way that I want them to be. I cannot myself personally control the reality of other people. In a sense, in the 12-step program, the step number one is uh, I admit that I am powerless or we admit that we're powerless over alcohol. Um, and it, it also translates to I am powerless over people, places, and things. So I'm only responsible and, and, and can empower myself to accept what I cannot change 
and then look at what can I change within myself to make a life that I want that's without suffering. This episode is sponsored by The Athletic Brewing Company, which makes yummy non-alcoholic beer. Now, before you disparage non-alcoholic beer, consider this. During the 2020 International Beer Challenge, The Athletic Brewing Company won Brewer of the Year for North America, and they only make non-alcoholic beer. Enjoy the refreshing taste of craft beer without the alcohol or the hangover or the beer belly. Last year, Athletic Brewing donated over $300,000 to trail restoration projects. With Athletic Brewing, you can even drink and drive. When the cop pulls you over for driving too slowly, you can say, Dude, I was just chilling, drinking beer. Non-alcoholic beer, that is. Although you can't order beer by mail, you can order non-alcoholic beer by mail. So go to athleticbrewing.com, use the promo code WANDERLEARN20 to get 20% off your first order. Buy at least two six-packs so you can get free shipping. That's WANDERLEARN20 with no spaces to get 20% off. We're back from our commercial break. Somebody might say, okay, I accept that I cannot change the world around me. I accept that, you know, the only thing I can change is myself, but I still suck ass. I am still a loser because I'm stupid. I'm ugly. I'm, you know, just, you know, bad background, whatever. I just don't like myself still. So how do you get over that? Is that true that you suck ass, that you're ugly and fat and nobody loves you? Is that true? Maybe somebody will say, of course, look at me. Well, first of all, things like their objective, like being fat. I mean, that that's just, well, look at my BMI. It's 30, for example. Um, and uh, the stupid, they could say, well, I always did poorly in university, in school. You know, I got C's every time and, you know, I dropped out of high school or whatever. Um, so there are certain metrics that they can use uh, that are not subjective that they could use to justify their kind of depression and feeling sorry for themselves, et cetera. So when people come and have a, a session with me, I, I mean, and this is even before, like when we're having a, a, a consultation to say, can we work together? Is this something you want? I'll say, what is it you want? Rather than having them say, oh, I can't do it. And, you know, I'm just a fuck up and I suck ass. It's like, what do you want? And if I was your fairy godmother and you could have whatever it is you want, you can empower yourself to have whatever you want. What is that? So now they have to get out of the orientation of I suck to I suck and I want a better life. I want something else. It's like, what is it you want? Well, I want love. I want to... Um, experience uh, generosity. I want to feel fulfillment. I want to have fun in my life. Okay, great. So now we've shifted from I suck to, wow, there's potential here. You wrote that expectations too often veil the beauty and awesomeness of who you are now in this moment. And that expectations are do that to you, that they veil, they, they, they hide the beauty and awesomeness. Can you explain that? If you expect that your life is going to be yucky, then you continue to look at what, you know, at at the evidence of that. If you look at the evidence that your internet sucks, um, you're going to see it. If you if you constantly look in the mirror for 
you know, for the extra weight or whatever that is, the wrinkle, the gray hair, you're going to find it. So your expectations um, are going to create that reality. And this is, I mean, science and research has shown this over and over and over again. So if you want a different outcome, you have to begin to change the way you perceive the world. You have to um, change the way that you're being. Um, Gandhi said, be the change, right? Be the change you want to see in the world. That's not do the change, just be, be the change. Right. Okay. But I'm kind of confused there because I interviewed this guy, Sim uh, Blanchard, on my podcast like three times, and, and he's a big proponent of, and I tend to agree with him, that it's all about lowering your expectations. The lower your expectations are, you know, the happier you're going to be. Because if you just think, okay, my only my only expectation in life is to be breathing and have a heartbeat. And if that happens, you know, if I'm above six feet above the ground, I am thrilled. That's my expectation of what I want, <laughs> what I desire. And if I get that, boy, is that the best thing ever. <laughs> that's like the lowest. Of, you know, that's great. Versus somebody who says, like, my expectation is to be a billionaire and to, I don't know, have a six-pack. <laughs> then that person's probably always going to be disappointed. So I ask people, what do they want? And they say, I want to be a billionaire. And I go, what's the quality of the experience of that? Like, what is it about the billionaire that is what you're looking to be? And so now they're describing qualities of being human. They're describing qualities that occur in their imagination of what it's like to be a billionaire. Um, and the way when people go, I don't know what that means, to the quality of being. And I go, well, think about when you're looking at Christmas or anticipating Christmas and you go, oh my, you know, as a kid and you go, oh my God, and you get all excited, right? Excited and anticipating beauty and fun and wonder and family and good food. There's that anticipation. There's a quality of being that arises in anticipating what you're wanting, what you're looking for. So when people say, oh, I want to be a billionaire, I go, what's the quality of, of being when you imagine yourself to be a billionaire? So I bring it back into the moment. What's the quality of being in this moment, imagining yourself a billionaire? And they say, I feel safe and I feel secure. I feel stable because I have all the money I need. I want. Um, I feel generous in my being. I feel playful. You know, So they come up potentially with all these words that describes this quality of being that exists in this moment, right? They just have to go, oh, I don't actually need the, the billion dollars. I already, I just had that experience and I don't have it. <clears throat> I don't have the billion dollars, but I do have the experience of it. That's well said. And not that I'm trying to do magic. If they want, if they want, if they want the billion dollars, I'm totally happy to support them and empower them to make that happen. But there's a lot of letting go of the inter interpretations and the expectations because at the point that, th that they go, oh, I could do that. Yes, but I'm a pathetic loser. Yes, but I'm fat and ugly. Yes, but nobody, you know, all those yes, buts. That's what happens is people go into the yes, buts as opposed to, okay, I'm going to let those go and um, live in potentiality. No. And that's that's the hard part. That's hard work because... We're wired, um, we're wired, our software is wired into our computer that says we're pathetic losers. You know, every ad on wherever the, those ad, ads are, whether on YouTube or on television, says you're not, you don't have it. 
you lack something and we got it. So that we're, we're continually inundated with you don't have it. And um, so to break through that, that's a paradigm shift to say, I don't lack anything. I have full potentiality. That's a paradigm shift. You have several books out. How many total? I have 13 Woo! total. Goodness. Um, okay, so we're not going to list them all, but they're all they're all on Amazon, I believe. And the, That's right. And you're also creating a podcast. Well, you've had a podcast show, and it sounds like you're creating a new one, so you're going to have two podcasts? First podcast I did uh, is called Aging Like a Guru, Who Me? And it, it, I wrote a book called that, and, um, and then I thought, I'm going to do a podcast. So that was my first podcast, Aging Like a Guru. And I did 100, 100 um, in that series. And then I did a, a second podcast called Spiritual Immersion, Taking the Plunge. And I talk about the experiences of having this relationship or cultivating a relationship with, with the self that is unseen and how challenging that can be and sort of the advantages and disadvantages of such a, such a journey. A lot of times when people are thinking about um, exploring who they are beyond their physical self, um, they don't have the tools. They 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 run into hard hard challenging moments in life, and there isn't a lot really that supports the unfolding of that process. So that's why I did the second series, spiritual immersion, and uh, I'm about to start a third series called um, diving in diving within for spiritual peace. And what's that podcast series going to be? about, and we're recording this at the end of January uh, 2021, when is that uh, Diving Within the Four Spiritual Peace podcast going to come out, and what's it will, what will it be about? Answering questions, basically, that people ask, like, what is spirituality? What is a spirit? What, where, how do I even start to think about this in terms of who I am? Um, how, why does it take so long? Um, is, do you need to seek? Do you need to meditate? Do I have to go to church? Like just questions like that that people ask all the time, but provide an answer that's um, hopefully a little bit more inspiring. Like, no, you don't have to meditate to to have a spiritual, um, you know, have a relationship with your spiritual self. You just find find the the way that works best for you. I mean, that's I'm just being very simplistic here, but there's so many questions that people ask, and and they want the answers. That's how I came up with the the. Um, the title is because what are people have all they have all these questions and they actually don't ask them and they don't seek the the answers because it's too difficult um but if they had the answers what they have then is some peace oh okay now i understand now i accept now i can go forward now i can unfold now i can be with this situation that really is challenging or struggling for me so what people want is i think some peace and so hopefully the questions I ask and answer will support that that process for people. I started a a, a pod or a YouTube series this this um, month. Uh, again, like you said, two thousand um, two thousand twenty one January um, called uh, Spiritual Dilemmas, which is again that place of how, how do we look at how do we how do we be in the context of this reality and expand or explore and question the other reality? How do we do that for ourselves? So it's really empowering people to look at what's, what's the dilemmas inside 
And um, how can I how can I solve that for myself? How can I discern the answers for myself? So that's the the third thing that's up right now. My only question will be as I guess the toughest question I can think of, which is in my situation, somebody who's not spiritual zero and is like an atheist, not saying that spirituality doesn't exist or can't exist. It's just that I can't feel like I don't feel like I can prove it. It's a question of faith that there's something beyond the material world. And because it's a question of faith and I don't have faith, and this is coming from somebody who was a religion major. I have a degree in religion. I studied religions. I read everything about it. So it's not like I didn't give it a shot. And I just walked away as somebody is like, okay, start from 101, which is like, how do you convince somebody who doesn't believe in a spirit world or a spirit anything that such a thing even exists? Because if, if, you, can't, if you can't convince them of that, then you can't go anywhere. <laughs> but, but I don't agree with that. Um, I think that it's, um, and I was listening to Derek Loudermilk, your podcast with Derek. Yes. He was saying that if you haven't had the direct experience, then you don't have the context. You don't have that experience from which to draw. And um, and that's what I want to cultivate in people is I, I think 85% of the population has had experiences beyond their physical reality. And um, and they go, oh, yeah, that, but no, that, no. And they, they, they poo-poo it. Um, but when you have enough, like he said, when you have enough of those direct experiences, you have to, you, you have, I think you have to go, okay, there's these experiences that, that keep happening. There's an, an, uh, a direct experience that I have. I have the evidence that this is true. Now, I then am a choice to say, yes, but, and keep being a cynic, or I have the, the opportunity to say, let me see what happens when I take the leap of faith, when I jump. Just and we're talking incremental, you know, quantum leaps. Uh, as I w- talked to a scientist, he said a quantum, a quantum is the, the distance between two points. And if you put your, your fingernails together, one and the other, that's a quantum, that's hardly, there's no space between there. So quantum leaps are tiny little, tiny little leaps. So we don't have to make, people don't have to make these leaps of faith. They just go, oh, yeah, I had that experience, and then I had it again, and then I had it again. It's like, wow, that's really cool. And and I don't say, see, see, because as soon as you do that, people get defensive. And there's no reason for me to do that, because first of all, I know they're going to get defensive, and that's con- contrary and <laughs> contradiction to what I'm wanting to bring to the world. And um, in that defensive and resistant and scared place, you know, it's up to people to de- de- decide for themselves, like, well, you know, maybe I could see what this is like to um, cultivate faith as opposed to cultivate skepticism. Um, it's just a choice, you know, and people have faith in skepticism. So that's what they choose. I think it's always a matter of, of faith that we put our faith in and coffee in the morning or, you know, put our faith in, you know, taking a shower will keep us from getting COVID. I don't know. But we have these, or if I put my faith in, in the economic situation or in Wall Street, I'm going to make a billion dollars. People put their faith in those places, right? Um, and so we put our faith all over the place. 
I would disagree with this notion that uh, putting faith into all sorts of things like faith to me by definition is believing something when there is not strong evidence or any evidence to prove that and you still believe that to me that's what how i would define faith maybe that's not a good definition and so for example some ways you could say well you have faith that when you turn the hot water that hot water will come out well yes i understand what you're saying but i have very strong compelling irrefutable evidence that Time and time again in the United States, when I turn the hot water, especially if it's my own house that I, you know, I'm not in a foreign strange house, that 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 happens. So to me, that's not faith, really. To me, faith is is believing something when you have very little or no evidence, and yet you still believe that's true. And now, so I think your question isn't about whether we have faith or not. Uh, or or that we have faith everywhere. I think it's deciding what constitutes evidence. That's the fundamental thing. What do you define as evidence? You, for some people, believing, I mean, just having some sort of, I don't know, a dream, to them, that is evidence of X, Y, and Z. And versus, I might say, that doesn't constitute strong enough evidence of X, Y, and Z. Right. So everyone's going to have their own orientation in terms of the context of faith. And, and, and that's really important, isn't it? Your context of faith the way that you perceive it and see it and interpret it is different than mine. And, um, and it's and again, it's like, it's almost, we have to go step back a bit or step within a bit to say it's, there's a quality of experience. There's a quality of being that we live in. Um, we just live in because we're this being and what, how we be in there is how we're being in there. And, and then we do stuff, and then we put words on it, like faith. Um, so up here in the in the Pacific Northwest, they talk a lot about earthquakes and this huge potential for this huge potential earthquake, or the you know volcanoes, the the mountains that could blow up. Okay, now we can be we can be scared all the time and anticipate that, or we can, in a sense, say. We'll let it be. Let it be what it is. And and in a sense, live in faith, if we want to use that word, live in faith that it's, I'm going to be okay today. It's not, you know, I'm, I'm going to live today as if it's okay. I can't change it. Nothing I can do about it. But I can change whether I'm scared and panicky and anxious all the time, or whether I'm going to find a place of peace and serenity and perhaps some playfulness today. And to me, that's all that matters. Or you just move. Or you move because you can't <laughs> I mean, one, stand. One, one solution. <laughs> but where, yeah. where are you going to move to? You know, <laughs> um, at least you know <laughs> some place that's free of earthquakes, <laughs> no tectonic activity. That's right. Which is <laughs> like Arizona or something. Like, yeah, uh, but then you're going to have something else that you're going to have to. But it's the state of being that is like, okay, am I anticipating bad things happening? And if I go, if I'm a person that anticipates something bad happening. That's a, a quality of being that's probably has little faith. There's no, there's, I can't trust the world kind of perspective. I can't trust something that I don't have control over or that I can't see. And it's like, okay, if that's the, if that's per, your perception, if that's how you see the world, okay. And 
is there something you want? <laughs> so if people are coming to talk to me about stuff or they want change or they want co coaching, I'm going to say, what is it you want? Because they'll go, oh, the world is this or I'm this way. And nah, 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 nah. I got this problem or I got this relationship with my children or whatever it is. And I go, what do you want? And it stops all that. Not, it stops all that stuff and gets down to, here's what I want. I want peace. Okay, great. What's in the way? To learn more about Rosie and her many books and her podcasts and her YouTube channel is the best place to go to theparadigmshifts.com or is there a better place? That, that's my website, theparadigmshifts.com. So that would be a great place to go. My YouTube channel, Dr. Rosie Kuhn, is also great, too. There's lots of lots of videos there to, to peruse. I've got 200 videos up on uh, YouTube. And then, uh, like I said, Francis, I'm just starting this new list, this uh, Spiritual Dilemmas, which will be a lot of fun. Well, Rosie, it's been a pleasure talking with you. And I uh, appreciate that you are really helping to transform many people's lives and improve their lives through all your work. So I, I sincerely appreciate that. And I thank you for being on my podcast. Thank you, Francis. I'm glad to be here. Bye for now. And that concludes this episode of the Wander Learn podcast, where we explore travel, technology, and transformation. If you'd like to see the show notes with links to what we talked about, or if you'd like to comment on the show, or if you'd like to ask me a question, then go to wanderlearn.com and click on this episode. If you'd like to connect with me, just remember FTAPON. That's my first initial and my last name. FTAPON is the username I use on all social media. You can also get to my website by going to ftapon.com. And here's one last reason to remember FTAPON. If you like what I do and would like to get rewarded for supporting my projects, then go to patreon.com slash FTAPON. That's where you can pick up some remarkable rewards for as little as $2 a month. And now for five quick favors. Number one, subscribe to the Wander Learn podcast. Two, download it. Three, share it. Four, review it somewhere. And five, sign up for my newsletter at wanderlearn.com. Our theme music was composed by Eric Stratman. This is Francis Tapon encouraging you to wander and learn.